You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. The only way to defeat fear is to tell it no. No, we will not allow desperation to destroy the path to righteousness. No, we will not break the rules that protect us from our basest instincts. The Klingons are on the verge of wiping out the Federation. We do not have the luxury of principles. That is all we have. Brand new episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It is the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, for the last time this season, uh, probably for most of this year, in fact, and probably a good chunk of 2019 as well. We'll be talking about uh, Star Trek Discovery, joined, as always, by the Fleet Admiral, Ben Knight. Ben, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm... I'm doing okay. I'm doing I'm, okay. We're shell-shocked a little bit and apprehensive about the void that we're now staring into. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm kind of kind of pleased with this the season ending, but at the same time I'm not too thrilled about having to wait a really long time for uh and in fact I'm actually particularly upset about uh, Jason Isaacs, whom I believe was trolling Twitter. Uh, it doesn't sound like a thing he would do, but uh, I think he said something about the show not returning until 2020, which I think was a troll. Hmm. I'm pretty but sure that was a troll. It's gotta be a troll. <laughs> um, we're also joined by our Chief Science Officer, Lieutenant Commander Aurora Babalu. Hi, Aurora. How are you doing? Hello. I'm sad that this is over. I like this show. Yeah. Uh, I looked forward to watching the episodes. There's a lot to there's a lot to dig into here in the final episode. Plus, we've got a whole bunch of uh we've got a whole bunch of other things to talk about, easter eggs, some news about season 2, uh etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe we'll get a chance to discuss how many of those predictions from last week came true this week. Mm-hmm. At least one of them came true that I wasn't really sure was going to come true, but it but it did. And no, I'm not talking about the big twist at the end. I'm talking about Tilly swearing, which I didn't think was going to happen. But <laughs> yes, yeah, you know that yeah. she she dropped a shit. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Okay, so we're, let's talk about it. Season one, episode. That's 15. an unfortunate choice of words. 
<laughs> well, I look, I don't, I don't have a time machine. There's no going back in time and fixing it now. Uh, season one, episode 15 is called Will You Take My Hand? Uh, it starts with uh, Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Well, he's not really Lieutenant Ash Tyler right now, uh, but he's still Ash Tyler, kind of, sort of. And he says that a drone intended to map Kronos is provide, uh, uh, can provide possible targets, and they should allow them to enter the dormant volcanic system beneath the surface of the planet through uh, an entrance beneath a shrine. Was, was this not the shrine to Molar, Ben? I think they I mentioned it was. Yeah. yeah, I think they mentioned it, yeah. Uh, Discovery jumps to a nearby cave, and an away team party of Giorgio, Burnham, Tilly, and Tyler pose as traitors on a part of Kronos that I guess is sort of like the Orion Embassy, but instead of an embassy, it's basically like a scummy traitor village mm-hmm. uh, full of various aliens from, from all over the Alpha Quadrant. Uh, a wretched hive of villainy. That's right. <laughs> it's almost like a, a really big cantina of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tilly discovers that the volcanic system is in fact active and that the drone, quote-unquote, that Giorgio has is really a hydrobomb. And if detonated, would probably cease the living of the Klingons. Uh, Burnham confronts Cornwell, who admits that detonating the bomb uh, in the active volta- volcano will annihilate life on Kronos and winning the war. You know, desperate times call for desperate measures. The Klingons are, in fact, knocking on Earth's door, literally, Burnham insists that Starfleet cannot commit genocide and convinces Giorgio to give up the detonator in exchange for her freedom. They give the detonator to Lorel instead, who uses the threat of mass destruction to unite the Klingon houses under her leadership, and as a result, she also ends the war. The Discovery crew uh, are hailed as heroes. Burnham is issued a full pardon. And given her rank and all of that other stuff, that's all given back to her. Tyler chooses to remain with Laurel, I guess, to kind of maybe bridge the human Klingon mm-hmm. gap, maybe? Maybe he's the first ambassador to to Kronos, although I don't think something like that has ever been officially established. Uh, and as Discovery warps to Vulcan to pick up its new captain, it receives a distress call from the USS Enterprise big twist. Well, not really a big twist. I think a lot of us saw it coming. I think, well, I I don't know if a lot of us saw it coming. A lot of us thought they might do it, but it wasn't until they actually did it uh, that I think it hit everybody. Uh, And of course, that exploded Star Trek internet. Uh, Not the whole internet, just our bubble of it. Uh, But that sent people into a tizzy, as one would expect. Ben, what did you think of the season one finale? Um, there's a lot of hate for this episode on the internet, isn't there? Um, mm. I really enjoyed it, and I tell you what I liked about it most uh, is the fact that it was uh, this was the punchline that um, we sort of anticipated, and uh, and they delivered on. By punchline, I mean that uh, well, since before season one even began, weirdly and certainly throughout, uh, people have been attacking um, the discovery sort of hold everything about it the tone the 
um, the type of narrative it's approached to Starfleet, the whole thing for being not Star Trekky enough, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, I think it was fairly obvious to all that that was kind of the point, um, which is what allowed us to predict how this would probably end out. But mm-hmm. um, they effectively um, took Starfleet to the you know to, to the extreme that it could possibly get to where you know genocide was the thing being contemplated effectively to an end justifying a means a means justifying an end even um and and pulled back from it which is of course what starfleet would do or certain brave starfleet officers and then the punchline to that being that um those people uh and you know the sort of effectively the one who won the war ends her redemption curve by uh allowing um, and insisting upon a restatement of what Starfleet's about, what the Federation's about, um, and stamping a big Roddenberry-sized footprint all over uh, season one to say, no, 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 you didn't get it. If you still, up until this episode, did not understand what we were doing, then um, you should now understand it, which was optimistic because then you go to the internet and see that the bottom half of the internet, as always, mm-hmm. is missing an awful lot of the point. Um, mm-hmm. But no, in terms, I mean, in terms of the content, uh, do you know what? It wasn't the cleverest uh, bit of work. I did enjoy our sort of um, uh, glimpse into the shady world of the Orions. Um, they've yes. had a nice little update. I thought. Uh, I-, I thought the update to them was. Um, was 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 smart actually i like the way they've done that mm-hmm. uh but the yeah i mean philippa georgiou um continues to be the panto villain slash um sort of icon already after a series yeah. um you know i mean the 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 strong female character um thing about this show which i suspect may be what is causing the butthurt amongst some of the uh star trek fan base uh, continues to um, absolutely stand out. Uh, the anti-hero uh, that is Cornwell, we've not probably seen the last of um, mm-hmm. her rather dark story. It seems that she may have her own redemption curve to embark upon next season. Um, and we close out the mirror stuff, but without closing it out, because we know, and obviously it's, I say this every time I do this, I'm sure it's something we'll come back to. Um, but of course, we now need to really discover what happened to a number of people involved in that um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure we will, but it, it was it was it was satisfying, which is really what you want out of a season finale, I would say. Mm-hmm. What did you? Yep. Uh, what was your feeling on the Enterprise reveal? How they mm-hmm. how they handled that? How they went into it? The ship itself, because obviously, depending on who you are, uh, it's either the worst thing that's ever happened to Earth real earth like it's an atrocity that this ship exists mm-hmm. or you're pretty happy with it <laughs> i think those are the two i think those are the two classes it's been kicking around for what 12 years by the point that we see it there hasn't it and um yeah. it's 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 a vehicle for other things isn't it but of course you, you if you put a, a, an iteration of the enterprise on screen in anything, you have to do something with it. They yeah. couldn't just cut and paste the original Enterprise because it would look utterly right. absurd. They right. couldn't redesign the Enterprise because people would go completely and utterly mental. Um, so they gave it a fresh look of paint, a um, little bit of a, uh, a, a sort of... Up- I, what? I mean, seriously, people... Some shine? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of shine, a little bit of better... Um, better 
better rendering. Um, <laughs> I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was, I mean, after the show last week, uh, after this show last week, uh, we flicked through a number of the different renderings, didn't we? And mm-hmm. um, do you know what? I'm I'm happier with the one that I saw on screen than I have been with any of the other versions that we looked at. Uh, Aurora, what did you think of the season finale? I thought this episode was a lot of fun. Um, I think that Tilly is my favorite character now. <laughs> Tilly, yeah, Tilly has come a long way. Right? She was so good in this episode. Um, she wasn't even thrown off by that Orion um, male dancer's butthole being in the same shot as her. <laughs> yeah. That was just a little too graphic, wasn't it? Well, I mean, she was too busy being high off of Clint Howard's, like, yes. Yes. you know, yeah. drug dust or whatever yeah but th- what I liked the most about her this episode was there were very subtle things she did in this episode that I liked um, especially when they are ready to go um, to this villainy place um, yeah. and Tyler is kind of like trying to talk to Burnham mm-hmm. and she's visibly uncomfortable and Tilly steps in and kind of like pushes him away and stands yes. next to her. I don't know if you guys remember that, but yeah, it, um, was it was a way of her saying, Come okay. I like, you know, I have your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when they were uh, down in the planet, she also did something that she took, you know, Burnham outside and she was like, Go and eat space whale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was very subtle things she did, but I, I really liked where they're taking her character. Yeah. Uh, I do think that even though I enjoyed the episode, I had a lot of fun watching it. I did think that I, at least the last 15 minutes felt rushed. Mm-hmm. It felt like, okay, we're going to just tie everything, uh, you know, with a bow tie, a bow, little bow and every, everything is fine. Yeah, Everybody, they... you know, and I, I, I was like, we've been building throughout this um, season, you know, the Klingon war and uh, the mirror universe and all these things. And then, the last 15 minutes felt like, oh, everything is fine. Everything has an ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did kind of rush pretty quickly to a conclusion. Wars yeah. over, baby. Sort of came from nowhere, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, Aurora, what about you with the with the uh, the cliffhanger ending? Uh, what 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 did you uh, what did you think? I mean, I kind of saw it coming. I did like got excited. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just the Trekkie in me that just got excited yeah. because I saw the Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to f- feel about it though. If I if I take aside my excitement as a Trekkie, mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about it. I thought I think we discussed this last uh, podcast that you know one of the questions you asked was that if if they were going to do this, mm-hmm. and I think I said no. Yeah. Um, because I was kind of expecting them not to give us that. Because mm-hmm. everybody was expecting it, so I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I was, I, I got giddy seeing it, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm just curious to see how they're gonna take this and move forward. Yeah, uh, as one of the writers uh, said, or maybe it was the producer. I don't remember. I think it was uh, Aaron Herberts who said, uh, or Herberts, I should say, not Herberts. Uh, he, I think, was saying that they wanted to do this thing with the Enterprise because they wanted to tell the they'd set up the Burnham story that Burnham is Spock's adoptive right. sister and he said they wanted to tell some sort of story that explains why Spock doesn't bring her up 
or why it's never mentioned or something. So, uh, I mean, as long as they don't give me a, a crew that's all CGI, I'm okay. Please, <laughs> don't, please don't do that. <laughs> they don't do a CGI of Jeffrey Hunter to make him look please like don't. bring back <laughs> Captain Pike from the, the original Captain Pike from the dead. <laughs> or, I mean, they have to do it with Leonard Nimoy as well. But Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they look, they went out of their way to not show any people on that ship, mm-hmm. the interior of the ship. Uh, we didn't even hear any voices. It was like a garbled I think we, message. I'm going to throw a prediction in there right away. We will hear voices. They will be recovered um, uh, reproductions of voices. We will not see any of the um, name cast of uh-huh. the Enterprise. I will be okay is, with that. I will be okay yeah. with that. I, yeah, I would It'll be... be a nice little nod. I think there'll be a... Right. a I think I we'll think, probably hear Nimoy. I yeah. think I think you could probably recast Pike. Yeah. I don't think yeah. there'll be a problem with that. I think he could probably appear. I don't think that... I mean, I think that's another thing they mentioned as well, that they, they've they already done it with Quinto, and that worked out well enough. He does, a, he does an okay job. I mean, he's not Leonard Nimoy, but who is? Uh, and I, I don't can't think imagine they, anyone doing a better job of that than Quinto. Than Quinto, right. And they probably won't be getting him for the TV show. No, so not right. a chance. I think they said that they probably won't have him appear, but they'll somehow tell the story. I'm curious as to how they will do that. Mm-hmm. It's going um, to be voice. It, it's yeah. We're going to have some exchange uh, verbally, and, mm-hmm. and that's that. Or his voice over um, some sort of... Uh, psychic type affair maybe that would be a bit contrived but, yeah. but that's star trek for you sometimes mm. uh we'll yeah see. i mean I, I think we can agree that no matter what they do people will hate it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, for me the ending of this episode i was actually stunned at how much of the original enterprise they faithfully mm. recreated the mm-hmm. the spinning lights on the Bassard Collectors, the Satellite Dish. Uh, I mean, the Collectors are the most appalling design feature. Yeah, they <laughs> they look ridiculous, but they kept them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Satellite Dish. Uh, you know, I mean, so like the struts that hold up the nacelle look more like Star Trek The Motion Picture Enterprise than the original series. Uh, you know, people pointed out, like, you know, the neck between the saucer and the body is a different length and some other things like that but it is unequivocally the you know you show that to somebody uh who's vaguely familiar with science fiction pop culture they can tell you that that's the enterprise right uh i was stunned at how faith because i figured they would show it and it probably wouldn't look i didn't think it would look as close as it did so i was actually very happy that it looked as close as it did uh, and th- and there's plenty of head cannony things you can do. I'm o- I'm already after this season is over because somebody was uh, had brought up a very long discussion uh, that I was uh, reading a couple days ago about now that the first season is over. Do you do you think this show fits within the prime timeline? Yes or no? Yes. And I am of the opinion that it is. I'm a yes, but a borderline yes. Like for me, I've still got to do some like. For my own sake, I've got to do some like head cannon fixing well, of. Some they've said they're going to do it for us. Um, they did say they would. Well, so this week, uh, Alex Kurtzman said, um, and this is a direct quote. He said, "We are wildly aware of everything that appears to be deviation from canon. We will close out each of those issues when we close out our ten-year period and hit the original series." So he 
is getting, you know, I, I, I think this is the thing, is there's a level of trust. I mean, we spoke about this before um, season one aired, yeah. and we were saying that you need to have, when you look at who's involved in it, you need to have a degree of trust that these people are looking after this property. They're not mm-hmm. um, doing the sort of classic network thing of buying a property and then screwing it. Um, first of all, I mean, they've owned this property for a very long time anyway, yes. but it's not in their interest. Um, right. Star Trek won't be a cash cow um, if you do it badly. Uh, the films mm-hmm. will be, but the series will not be. So when you've got someone like Alex Kurtzman, who does seem to know what he's doing, um, saying, yeah, yeah, we know. Um, and, you know, in the same breath, like I was saying a minute ago, everyone was saying, oh, it doesn't feel like stuff. It doesn't feel like Star Trek. Yeah, they know. And that's hence the whole thing was a build up to this restatement of the Federation principles, which we got in the finale. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the same over the, the next at least sort of, well, TV universe, 10 year period. Um, when he says he's going to close these things out, you, you will be squarely at the end of this, um, both feet in prime canon. I'm, I'm certain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I liked, uh, in general, uh, I like the episode uh, quite a bit. I'm I'm in agreement with Aurora that I felt like they maybe rushed. I like the ending, but I felt like they got to it a little too quickly. It was like mm-hmm. a really weird jarring jump, wasn't there? I can't quite put my finger on it, but it, you're right. It did sort of. It felt like you've sort of skipped a second or two. It was a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it was see, when from, they... from the from the part where they an- announced that there's a bomb. Yes. <laughs> from yeah. then on, it Very felt like moves. okay, everything is. Yeah. Everything is a bomb. Fine. Oh shit! She's got it because she's holding a thermonuclear <laughs> detonator. Yes. Okay. Oh, and everything's fine now. You just put a medal on the Wookiee, and we're all good. Yeah. yeah. What's happened? <laughs> ben turning into C three PO just now is the best thing that's ever happened on this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> do you speak the binary language of moisture evaporators? Is what I want to know. I'm fluent. Uh, no, no, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh <laughs> but yeah once i was about to say the same thing aurora again spot on uh to me it was as soon as they realized that she had uh that the real plan was not a bomb the, the real plan that only Giorgio and cornwell and maybe sarek was aware of was uh the bomb it, it did seem to go very quickly from there but i will say this the solution as quickly as they arrived at the solution the solution was like pure Star Trek, mm-hmm. which was we've got a bomb, this highly volatile situation with Cleons and humans and everything is about to quite literally and figuratively explode. And Burnham finds a peaceful solution that works for pretty much everybody. Right. And that's about as Star trek as you can get. Like this, it seems like there's a no going back situation where it's, pretty clear people are going to start dying in large numbers and somehow through the the magic of star trek they're <laughs> able to to walk out mostly unharmed i mean obviously there's all the war casualties from the nine months the discovery wasn't there but you know before things got really 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 bad uh it was starfleet principles that ultimately saved the day and mm-hmm. uh that I mean, to me, the very best parts of this episode was the the stuff back at Starfleet headquarters, where they're you know they're in the hall and everybody is getting their awards, and Tilly graduates uh, into having an actual uh, rank and command. Yeah. You know, all of that stuff. There was that really super sweet moment where they 
award a medal to Hugh and Stamets mm-hmm. is holding the medal. Oh, that was a bit emotional. The, yeah. That was yeah. great. Great. Did stuff. anyone else have something in their eye a little tiny bit? A little bit. Oh, yes. way more than a little for me. <laughs> I get so weepy at everything now. I'm like, this is so great. They're being Star Trek. I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> I knew you'd get there eventually. Um, it was it was actually quite great. And Burnham uh, giving her speech and they're intercutting it with them being given their awards or announced with their awards or whatever. All of that stuff was exceptional. And Did you feel you did... had some investment in those characters in that scene? I did, yeah. Because that's interesting. Yeah. After a short first season that didn't really give us much of a lot of the characters who were then on that uh, platform at the end, I, I was impressed about the fact that I gave enough of a crap about the oh, people yeah. who were on the yeah. stage. Yeah. That's some good work by them. They definitely did hit the reset button because, you know, once they're back up on the ship, it just feels like this is a new show and it's heading in a new direction. I would burn and return to her rank, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so obviously that's why Spock wasn't aware of the of her mutiny later mm-hmm. on. It was her record was expunged, of course, uh, which did prompt all sorts of discussions about how many more things is Discovery going to introduce that will get expunged from the record or classified <laughs> so we don't have to. Um, and that may be the route that they end up going. Uh, I mean, look, they even, uh, they, they haven't completely gotten rid of the spore drive, mm-hmm. but Stamets noted that Starfleet is committed to finding a non-human way of using right. it, right? which means we probably might see it again with Stamets using it, but mm-hmm. only in a rare circumstance. And it feels like the reason we never hear about the spore drive is because obviously they never find a non-human way to do it. Otherwise... They, they would have done it by now. So, uh, I yeah, I enjoyed that. I and I loved the as soon as they got the distress the distress call thingy on the screen. I'm like, there's only one reason they're doing this. It's got to be the Enterprise thing that everybody said they were going to do. That even I wasn't really sure they were going to do. But mm-hmm. you know, then they they tried to tease it a little bit, and they must have been doing this tease for people who've never watched Star Trek before. <laughs> <laughs> because they're like, they're like, oh, it's a definitely a Federation signal. I'm like, oh my god, it's the Enterprise. And I know then, it's the flash of the NCC on the the um, yeah, yeah. It's like the scanners. One, the numbers are slowly coming up one seven, and I'm like, yeah, I know what it is, guys. <laughs> uh, we all we all had a little scream moment, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had to be. It had to be. That had to be for people who aren't overly familiar or people who don't quite get. When something is being presented to them, that they have to literally spell it out for them. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought that was brilliant. Um, to be honest, I wasn't even sure if we we're going to see the Enterprise when they just said that's the Enterprise. I'm like, oh, here comes the music swell and credits. But they didn't. They did that awesome uh, digital camera pan or whatever it was out through the 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 looking glass, and yeah, mm-hmm. they did the Enterprise shot, and it was great. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, they did the original credits, uh, yes. or an updated version yeah. of the original credits for the That was such Enterprise. a lovely touch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well done. Uh, I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to use some some headcanon for some stuff, but you can always headcanon your way through, like, how starships look by just, you know, oh, I got a refit, or whatever. I mean, that's what they did for the original series into the movies. They're just mm-hmm. like, oh, well, the ship looks different, but that's because they got a refit. You know, they added some mm-hmm. new things, took some old things away. And how many times has that ship been blown up, for God's sake? Oh, sure. 
Maybe this, maybe the one we see in this episode accidentally gets blown up, and they're just like, "Look, we're not going to give it a new letter or anything. We'll just so this one we was built an another one out of um, yeah. cardboard tubes, uh, some <laughs> sticky back plastic, um, we got some and jelly some beans, chewing gum. Yeah, we got some <laughs> jelly beans. We'll glue these to a cardboard box. Fr- we've just come out of the back of a war. I mean, what do you expect? Low on supplies. <laughs> um, I, by the way, I did. Did everybody see the? Uh, the burn up or the the Giorgio Saru scene on the bridge, yeah, where yeah. she's kind of subtly talking about how Kelpians are food, and he's sorry. When you say subtly, is that the American use of the word subtly, <laughs> or uh... <laughs> well, it's not subtle to us, but it's very subtle to the rest of the crew who has no idea what the shit she's talking about. <laughs> um, I will say this: she was nothing like Lorca. Lorca tried to fit in. Oh, she's yeah. having none of just... that was she? Yep. Don't call it a home world. The, that's the enemy planet. Yeah. yeah. She was and amazing. Was, she was amazing this episode, yeah. too. Uh, and yeah. she is, by the way, unfortunately, this sort of confirms the end of Captain Killy, I think, because I, I, my idea was that Captain Killy was still around and she'd show up again at some point. But clearly that's the Giorgio character is going to be uh, the bad guy who shows up from time to time. Yeah. Um, you know, she'll be like Q or something. Every now and again, there'll be a, a Philippa Giorgio episode where she'll be causing some sort of havoc that the crew mm-hmm. has to get her out of, and Burnham will want to save her, and then always let her go. She'll be like the Joker to her Batman or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, and speaking of one last Giorgio thing, I really enjoyed the uh, the comedy of Tilly walking into the transporter room for the away mission. <laughs> where she thought she was the real Captain Giorgio for a second. Yes. And she's like, oh, wait, you're the, yeah. You know, she's the, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and there was some great little name drops there that Giorgio did. She was obviously talking about her time with, with Captain Killy, but she's talking about, oh, we had so many good times, you know, overthrowing the, the Betazoids or Mintaka 3. Mm-hmm, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. man, those poor little Vulc- proto-Vulcan guys. That was a great episode of Next Gen. You guys killed those guys? Ah, <laughs> oh, jerks. Um, but yeah, I really like the episode. Slight understatement, but all right. So jerks. <laughs> Genocidal jerks. Um, I want to go through real quick and talk about their... So Trek Movie also came up with uh, some Easter eggs they found in the episode uh, or things that are callbacks to a uh, previous time. Uh, so one thing they note here is something, at least a similarity between TOS and this show, is that uh, when people get awarded, all of the medals appear to be triangular for some reason. They have like a shot of Cornwall here and a shot of Kirk, and they've got a bunch of medals on them, and they're all just multicolored triangles. I'm yeah. not sure what they're signifying. Well, because that. 80s um, uh, geometric jewelry obviously has a bit of a kind of comeback at some point in the future. Yes. And... You know, it's elevated to the status of uh, of medals and things. Uh, they note here the Paris being uh, one of the central homes for the United Federation of Planets. We'll always have Paris. We'll always have <laughs> Paris. Uh, they point here specifically that in Star Trek VI, that is where the president's office was. Sure. Uh, and they show a picture of the president from Star Trek VI. And out his window you can see uh, the Eiffel Tower. So, Well, it's also in the episode we'll always have Paris is heavily referenced. Yeah, well, what with Paris being in the title and yeah. everything, even. Um, so Clint Howard was in this uh, as some sort of drug dealer. This is actually not his 
far from his first Star Trek appearance. Uh, originally, he was in uh, what was it, the Corbomite Maneuver. That's right. You know, I was mm-hmm. really struggling to remember. It was in that the episode with the weird giant multicolored ball thing, and yes. he plays like this little tiny bald man, and he has this drink that he drinks called Tranya. It's like this, or- it looks like orange Kool-Aid and it's in a punch bowl. And somebody isolated a shot from this episode of discovery. And on Clint Howard's table, he has a punch bowl full of orange liquid. Oh, uh, so presumably <laughs> Tranya. Uh, that's adorable. He wasn't, he also in, um, I think he was in like a deep space nine episode. Or I know he's made. I more feel than like one. I've seen it more than once. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's shown up quite a few times. Uh, somebody noted here that in the Orion compound, and one of the tents had, was emblazoned with a Romulan Star Empire it logo. Was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, a little hint to that. Uh, also spotted in the Orion compound, uh, there is the tattoo parlor. Aurora, by the way, how badly do you want one of those tattoos? Where that's just, amazing. I, like, that's a, the. I saw that and I was like, oh my god, I hope that technology exists in the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, that'd be amazing for job interviews if there's somebody who's like an <laughs> anti-tattoo. Apparently yeah. they only show up if you touch them. Yeah. Uh, but they note here that the woman shown touching her tattoo appeared to be a trill. She had like all the trill mm-hmm. spots. She did. Uh, there's a, Most of these, by the way, all happened in the Orion compound. Somebody noted that in one of the shops that were selling food, uh, and one of the skillets, they appeared to have seti eels from Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Don't know if I'd want to eat one of those things, but, you know, whatever. Tilly accidentally ate a gormagander, so. <laughs> uh, we didn't, so one of the predictions was, are we going to see any actual nudity? I think. Yeah. We, we, we saw a guy's butthole, pretty much. Yeah, and <laughs> and... It's been confirmed that Klingons definitely have redundant organs, as we saw a Klingon mm-hmm. uh, taking a whiz, and he had what appeared to be two streams. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. maybe they've got. A I thought I just letters. had a really complicated piercing. I mean, I knew this guy once. It's an off-air conversation. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Off-air conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on one of the shots of Kronos, Aurora knows. Uh, that guy too, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On one of the shots of Kronos, uh, somebody spotted a moon, which uh, people believe is probably Praxis. That's no moon. uh, Which, you know, if you're a fan of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, you would know that Praxis is, of course, the Klingon's key uh, energy production facility. So, it explodes, uh, uh, at least not for now. Uh, Shots of Earth. uh, When they were zooming in on Earth, we saw the moon full of lights and stuff, because, you know, there's cities on it. Even the next generation has failed to do this at times where they will do shots of Earth and you'll see the moon and it just looks like the moon. Even yeah. though we've heard about Tycho City and New Berlin on the moon. Uh, n- not Discovery. They were on top of it. And uh, when they were zooming in, we appeared to see Earth's space dock under construction, in fact. Yes. That mm-hmm. famous space mm-hmm. dock from so many like of the that. movies. Yeah, it was actually really cool. So somebody freeze-framed it and zoomed in on it. And it is clearly that place, and it looks, you know, not complete, like they're still working on it. So, yeah, all of that stuff, really cool. And uh, there was a little bit of news about the second season. Some of this stuff is very throwaway. Because uh, somebody, somebody asked if we will see a CG'd Kirk 
as William Shatner has suggested in an interview. Because of yeah. course he did. Uh, <sighs> Kurtzman, of course, said that while there have been no discussions, he was, quote, open to it. No. Which, I, I you, think know, this is... you, know what that, you know what that means, though, right? That means... You know, we'll listen to his pitch and then not do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I'm going to be, I'm going to say this because much so like, uh, much so like, I love Shatner and Kirk is, you know, obviously synonymous with Star Trek, irrespective of, you know, how long ago that, that has now been. Um, I will say this, his dismissive attitude towards everything other than the stuff he's been in, um, as I say, on his last uh convention um tour he was saying that he's never watched any other um yeah, yeah. Uh, series uh and i do you know what i kind of think well all right mate but i mean e- even the tng stuff he hasn't watched apparently which uh which is weird given obviously the crossover with the, mm-hmm. the movie but um i'm kind of thinking well I'm, I'm not sure i want to see him in discovery um cg or otherwise mm-hmm. uh i I just kind of think someone whose entire career, because obviously he's you know he's gone off to do other things afterwards, but n- no role that he's had has been right. um, you know as sort of ubiquitously w- well known as uh, mm-hmm. as Kirk, and for someone to turn around to the thing that in many respects made their career mm-hmm. um, and to put uh, put two fingers up at, at it, I just kind of think well, you know, all right, fine, well you you carry on sort of doing what you're doing and everyone can love you for that but i i'm just annoyed at this idea that now this is getting a bit of traction because it's got a big online thing which is the first time i guess that that's really happened with with star trek as in you know contemporaneously anyway um he's he's really kind of jumping all over it and and so i i'm i'm i'm, I'm annoyed at him actually i yeah, really am yeah, yeah. and i agreed you know and i i i have loved him as recently as his um, performance as Danny Crane. Um, Boston Legal. Absolutely look great show. Uh, but I, uh, he's, he just really paid me off when I saw him at that convention last year with, with his attitude towards everything else. And he was quite openly inviting people slagging off Discovery as well, which kind of then made me think, well, I wonder how long it'll be before you're making noises about doing something if it really takes off. And of course, weeks yeah. later, there he is on Twitter going, well, I'd be interested in doing this. Of course. Mm-hmm. Well, I would I think, be uh, interested in doing this. Anyway, sorry. I think, <laughs> I like your 3PO better, but that's not... <laughs> Now do now do Shatner as three PO. Uh, We're doomed. No. <laughs> Moisture evaporators. Um, the uh, look. I don't think this is going to happen for a variety of reasons. To me, the most key being that while Discovery is a good-looking show, uh, actually, I would say for a sci-fi show, I would say very good-looking. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the people who are doing the de-aging stuff and doing it well, you're talking about the Marvel movies. And there's no way they're going to have the the budget to make it look as good as it does in those movies. I don't know. It's not as if they're going to have to try and remove a mustache. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. I don't think Shatner's rocking a mustache right now. But, I mean, we're talking a lot of de-aging. Shatner, cur- I mean, look, they did this with... Um, yeah, who's the most notable one they did it with? Michael Douglas, maybe, in Ant-Man? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he was the oldest person that they de-aged. Uh, but he doesn't look all that different from younger Michael Douglas, whereas 
current Bill Shatner kind of looks nothing like TOS Bill Shatner at no. all. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, he's that would have to be a lot of. They'd be better off just doing the Princess Leia bit from it's Rogue One. It's the tech One. equivalent yeah. of there is not enough Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all due respect to to Bill Shatner. I'm not saying he's hideous or anything. Of course not. But I'm just saying it's a lot of work. That's so much money uh, and so much time that would have to go into it. That'd I mean, I, I don't want to see a Kirk kick CGI. That would be awful. Oh, no, we can't do yeah. that. No. We can't see Kirk. You can't see any of that Kirk Roddy, the double chops, and uh, gotta. He's got to do that in person. That, that can't be faked. I won't. I won't stand for any fake bad. I won't want any fake bad fighting. I want. I want real bad fighting. Yes. In my uh, in my Star Trek. Um, speaking of Alex Kurtzman, uh, he spoke to Variety, where he noted that uh, shooting for the second season begins in April. So they are going to start shooting the second season not far from now, which, uh, as opposed to Jason Isaacs, what, I, again, I presume is trolling, talking about the show not coming back until 2020. <laughs> Uh, Unless he's I mean, saying that he's coming back to it in 2020 mm-hmm. and we're going to have Prime Locker in 2020. That was my prediction maybe. when I saw that. Maybe. Um, I mean, I can't imagine the show not coming back in early to mid-2019. It would be so. suicide not to do that. I can't imagine them waiting until 2020. So, uh, Especially since this is a service they're trying to grow. I canceled my CBS All Access subscription after this episode because there's nothing else for me to watch. Well, that, yes, that'll yeah. be the drive to how swiftly they get this made, I think, and and mm-hmm. the length of yeah. the next season. I, I genuinely think that's yeah. going to be a big commercial driving factor, uh, a lot along with the, the Netflix um, deal because it's there's a lot of money being made here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, I feel like I feel like they had a good number of episodes this season. I don't think I'd want to see them go Pat what are, what did we do this season? Fifteen episodes? Uh, I think yeah. is what they did. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I don't think I'd want to see them go past I don't want to see them hit twenty. In fact if it were me, I would fifteen is ideal, but if they wanted to add maybe a couple more episodes in a season I would be okay with that. It felt like but it th- needed a couple of more. I think partly for the reason Aurora was saying, which is yeah. if you're going to um, build out these big plots and then uh, in the finale have to really rush to the finish line, right. I, I would rather just take a little bit more time, stick a mm-hmm. slightly more subplotty type episode in. and They did well. add two episodes as well. The season yeah. was originally going to only be 13 episodes, and then they added two more, I believe. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I think they could have done with one or two more episodes, and maybe they'll do that for uh, the second season. I, I would, I would be happy with that. I'd, I'd also be okay if they just kept it to fifteen. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll sort of see. Hopefully, it won't be until twenty twenty. Good lord! Uh, <laughs> do you guys want to do? Uh, let's do scores because there's a couple of other things I want to mention. There's at least one other Star Trek related news item. Uh, I want to get to. Are we going to talk a little bit more about season two predictions? First? Oh, do we do we have any? Because I yeah, I got a couple. I'll I'll be honest. I I don't really have any. Mm. So, well, I mean, I, I, I tell you some, what, I'm, I'm not going to dress this up as a prescription uh, as a uh, prediction. But okay. uh, one thing I did spot, we predicted in last week's episode, I think, 
um, that we would see the return of the Good Doctor uh, at some stage. Right. Um, and Gretchen Berg, uh, talking to, I think, Entertainment Today, uh, said that there's no return to the Murray universe in season two. Um, they may come back to it at some stage, but I think what they're saying realistically is that we may see people from it, but not necessarily return to it. Um, yeah. But in the same interview, kind of almost as an afterthought, right at the end, um, she said, "Right, well, so she was asking, she was asked about uh, Georgiou and, and obviously Prime Lorca, and said she couldn't confirm or deny anything, which I guess means that they're in there somewhere. Uh, but she did explicitly say uh, Paul and Hugh's storyline is not over." yes i've heard i can't remember what maybe it was on his own twitter i don't remember but i've seen wilson cruz say that he is not done with star trek yet well he he said his favorite scene had yet to come after where we saw him die but that um i think he later went on to say was the one we saw in the following week's episode um Mm -hmm. but yeah he he was interviewed uh i can't find it immediately i bookmarked too many things during the week for the show um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he he said somewhere this week that uh, he he wasn't done with Star Trek, and then the, whoever was interviewing him asked a quite odd question about saying, "Oh right, so um, it, are we going to see your character in in any of the movies?" And he said, "That's just something that hasn't even occurred to me at all, but I suppose it's not impossible." But no, anyway, I'm not done with Star Trek. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but that's what he said. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got absolute confirmation because, of course, it's coming from the actual showrunner, um, Gretchen J. Berg. So, uh, but, but it really was a unequivocal, Oh, let me be really, really clear about this. Their storyline is not over. So, so that's, do you think, do you think that maybe, I mean, instead of seeing his mirror universe version, maybe he's going to come back in like flashbacks. He might. I mean, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because the, if we're not going to get, the mirror version, which I guess is the kind of route one, I suppose we've got to find some other mechanic. And if it's going to be corporeal real him, I have no idea how they're going to do that. If it's going to be anything other than that flashback seems like the only option. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see any kind of wibbly wobbly timey wimey option necessarily. Um, because I think you'd have to go down a whole different rabbit hole to do that. Um, I, it's it's hard to say, isn't it? But it, it, yeah. I get the impression it's going to be one of the driving bits of season two by just how heavily it was um, sort of lent on in that interview. Yeah, um, and well, and, and, and I guess kind of I guess good as well because it it would be weird to have um, assuming that uh, that Paul Stannis is going to stay in it. It's going to be very strange to see how rudderless he becomes and how things affect him after season one, unless there's some other part to that storyline. So, um, yeah. but anyway, but the, yeah, so in terms of that, well, I guess it's not a prediction so much as we know that that's definitely going to be happening. Um, in terms of season two, though, um, given that we know they're now operating on this kind of long arc principle, um, there's no teaser graphics. There's nothing yet out there, which is unsurprising, I suppose. But mm-hmm. um, what do you think about the predictions for the new captain? Because, of course, we mm-hmm. well we know they're being picked up from Vulcan, but then mm, that doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean, much. mean they're Vulcan. If they'd said Riser, I would have wondered if it was some distant relation of Riker. But um, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> there's been some crazy predictions online as to who the new captain is going to be, including one person suggesting it was going to be Spot, which would be such a huge oh. departure from um, 
well logic logic (laughs) um, as to be absurd yeah I Uh, don't think that that would be the case I think they're maybe reading a little too literally in the fact that they ran into the Enterprise and they're going to Vulcan to pick up their new captain yeah Uh, I don't think it sounds like what they were setting up is for a new cast member to join the show I think that's all it is because a lot of the things online were talking about you know the importance of having a uh, you know a captain um, in you know who's an important character in the show and of course that's right but we began all of Discovery's discussions before I think possibly even before we knew it was called Discovery with Mm -hmm. the information that this series the whole series was not going to be about captains it was going to be about well we now know um, Burnham but it, it, it wasn't going to be sort of centered on any particular captain. So it'd be really weird if we now got um, like a, a sort of big name captain in here, I think. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Aurora? Do you think that they're going to uh, do anything crazy with the, the captaincy? Or I don't feel like they're going to. I, feel... I don't feel like they're going to. I mean, just because they're going to Vulcan, like you said, doesn't mean it's going to be a Vulcan captain. It could be... Maybe it's prime. Someone that's there, him. just waiting. <laughs> um, you just know it's not going to be Andorian because the the, the amount of um, CG yeah, touch up they have to do that. <laughs> it's gonna, that's going to make any scene involving the captain just unnecessarily expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still rooting for Saru. I think he should be the captain. A lot of people yeah, are saying I that. So. I I think so too. Uh, I think that I don't know. I think that I think that works. I like the fact that he um, kind of got some balls in the last couple of episodes. Yes, and he can sense danger. <laughs> Which is a handy feature, isn't yes. it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, okay, let's... Uh, I guess we should probably... Let's do the uh, the cheap plug, because I want to talk about this next-gen... This crazy next-gen show that never existed but almost did. Uh, the good people of ThinkGeek are sponsoring the show, as they always do. Head on over to cinemageekly.com slash ThinkGeek, or click the ThinkGeek link at the top of the page on uh, cinemageekly.com. I am stunned that I have not noticed this product until just now, but I am a big fan of the, uh, the fur, it's a, it's a Tribble faux fur coat. <laughs> Sorry, what? Uh, <laughs> no okay, idea. I found it. Oh, lordy. Yeah, it's got... Uh, what's really funny is that it's got, like, the two little puff balls on the strings, so it looks like they're tribbles hanging from your faux tribble coat. Uh, this is only, like, 20 bucks, but uh, I'm just kind of stunned that I didn't notice this before, and it's kind of a genius idea. I mean, everybody does, like, faux fur. And it's about time that somebody's done like triple fur. Uh, of course, I think they they say they say here to stay clear of Klingons while wearing this, just to be safe. Although I presume that uh, it's faux triple fur. So I mean, I don't think you're in any uh, no, danger. No tribbles were harmed in the making. Yeah, of that but that case. makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no tribbles were harmed, of course. Uh, <laughs> You can get that from ThinkGeek, uh, cinemageekly.com/thinkgeek. There's a ton of other great Star Trek items there. Did we ever? I can't remember on this on this show. Did we ever um, highlight the Star Trek electronic door chime as an item from ThinkGeek? I think I thought maybe we had. Couldn't I don't remember. remember if not, I think it's we, worth I think mentioning we did again. Once. I think did we? we did. Yeah, I love it. I desperately yeah. need it. Yes, uh, that's a cheap piece of merchandise. I don't know if you guys have seen these models. Uh, 
that are being done by this company called Anovos that are doing uh they are doing studio scale miniatures of the Shenzo and the Discovery. Nice. Mm. And they are beautiful. I don't know. Come on. I'll, I'll, oh. They're they're not cheap. <laughs> would you like to take would you like to take a guess at the Shenzo, which is the smaller of the two ships, obviously? What what sort of size are we talking here? Yeah. Uh well it says studio scale filming okay. miniature. Mm. Uh so the are they resin? It says many, it says it uh measures twenty six point six by sixteen point four by four point six, presumably inches. Mm. Body composed of polymer resin with steel reinforcement, replicated mm-hmm. directly from screen used digital assets from the production. Over 160 LED lights. Okay. Uh, runs off a 12V power. 12V power. I feel like you buried the lead in there somewhere. <laughs> um, active. Oh, there's so much here. Active illumination for impulse engines, warp nacelles, <gasps> formation deflector dish, and oh, anti collision lights. I need this in my life. Send me a link. Um. Uh, that's got to be a good, what, $2,500? Oh, close. Yeah. Double double that and then oh, some. No. <gasps> okay, Eight, send me a link. I need to see this. $8,000. What? The discovery itself is 9000 I can, uh, I can they... buy an actual car with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how much fun would you have? With uh, they note here that uh it's not just the ship design that parts of uh that parts of the hull lift up and you can see uh, little miniature crew quarters the shuttle bay doors are open and lit and inside there are little shuttles in the shuttle cool. bay uh i will i will post uh links uh in our in our skype chat so you guys can see these but uh they are very expensive and they look incredible. I saw. So right, no one tell Alex if I accidentally buy one of these. <laughs> I mean, the clue may be when it turns up, I guess. But I wow. So I saw. So Matt Myra has these on the set of his After Trek show, and because he he was plugging these, he's like, "Oh, well, these these things we have on set, you you're, you'll be able to pre-order them and buy them now." He didn't say anything about price. He was just showing them off, and I'm like, oh my god, these look so gorgeous. I'm guessing like, he uh, didn't buy one of them. <laughs> no, I'm no, guessing yeah. they were provided by the company. <laughs> um, they look gorgeous, and I was just like, oh my god, I've got to have one of these in my life. And I went and looked it up, and I'm like, oh, that's why they didn't mention the price. It's always it's always important to know that if they don't mention the price, you can presume that it is And if yeah. you have to expensive. ask, you can't yeah. afford it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, insanity. They're gorgeous. Are you going to put these in the show notes? I I feel like our listeners, like somebody amongst people listening to the show, has probably got nine thousand dollars. I don't know who it is. (laughs) If you want to, yeah. If you want to buy, I mean, I'm sure there's people with eight or nine thousand dollars that they can afford to spend on a model of a starship. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think we know anybody like that. But uh, you know, if they want to get us one, of course. Oh yeah, they've sold all of their first wave of them, um, and oh, wave two is yes. yeah, and wave two is shipping October November. You can. I don't know reserve. who these people are, but they're incredible. Um, uh, so that was odd. That was Vader somewhere. <laughs> that, was, that was Vader. 
Um, um, <laughs> somebody has put my anyone phone know what of... just happened? There. I don't know. Yeah, what yeah, happened. yeah. Somebody has somebody has <laughs> put my phone outside of my door, apparently. <laughs> and uh, somebody wanted to bring my. Well, phone what out. I can tell you about that is R two says the chances of survival are seven hundred twenty five to one. I literally got scared. I was like. <gasps> Is there someone else <laughs> listening to <laughs> In the podcast? <laughs> Vader joining the podcast. Um, the uh, <laughs> I want to talk about the Star Trek: The Next Generation thing before we go. We're really on a roll here. You know what it is? Was all that C three PO stuff that you were doing, Ben? Is is started to it's started to bleed Star Wars? It's into gone the a bit. Star it's Trek gone a bit Candy Man. We've said Vader too much, and now yeah, yeah. Uh, is that how it works? I don't know. Uh, I want to talk about this uh, next-gen thing before we go, this piece of uh, next-gen news. Uh, this comes. This actually really comes courtesy of uh, Larry Nemechek's podcast called The Trek Files. Uh, and Larry Nemechek is sort of like this... I, I, ben, I'm sure you're aware of this man. Mm. Uh, he's kind of like... I'm trying to think of a, a great way to describe him. He's sort of like this Star Trek historian slash most visible fan, maybe. Yeah, he's like an uber fan, but like to the point where he writes he books gets, about it. He, um, he gets put on Blu-ray extras. I was about to say, uh, he's, he's been in... Uh, has he been in Star Trek? I have a feeling he has at some point. He may have been. I know he's definitely been in fan... He, I know he's definitely been in fan projects and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah, Definitely. Uh, anyway, he has a new podcast called The Trek Files, where he has been given access to Gene Roddenberry's files on Star Trek, and each week he picks out a document to discuss, and we'll have somebody uh, from that period in Trek history or whatever to talk about the context of it, and et cetera, et cetera, and they examine uh, various behind-the-scenes things in Star Trek, and something that he unearthed for one of his podcasts was the original pitch uh, for Star Trek The Next Generation. It was an eight-page concept that was conceived by producer Greg Strangis, who did War of the Worlds and Falcon Crest. Mm. Holy cow, I haven't heard mm. Falcon Crest in forever. Mm. Over the summer of 1986, and is set during a ten-year war between the Federation and the Klingons. It tells the story of the USS Odyssey a ship ferrying a group of cadets on their first deep space assignment and tasked with delivering a document to Organia that could ultimately change the course of the war. So, uh, there's actually, I think, uh, on Trek movie, they have a link to the whole, uh, to the whole document that you can sort of read the whole pitch from beginning to end. But this was before Gene Roddenberry, basically when Gene Roddenberry hopped on board to do this, which was the first thing that stunned me. I just presumed that Next Gen was his baby in creation from the get-go. But it wasn't. This other guy had pitched it instead, and when Gene Roddenberry came in... It was born out of the network, though, wasn't it? I mean, it was... um, Mm -hmm. Effectively, I would talk about Star Trek being a cash cow. They had decided there was potential for this to be a massive, massive cash generating project for the for the network um and basically Roddenberry came and on the face of uh what he was saying in uh, in this he was basically i think they described him sort of banging the table and the network execs banging the table back at him and it all got a little bit unpleasant from what i can tell yeah yeah um so they they note here that 
some of the things from the original pitch maintained in the show, like a young Klingon officer being part of the crew. Uh, but one thing they note here, I think, will resonate with uh, anyone who's a fan of Star Trek Voyager. One of the things that was part of the pitch was that uh, the captain of the ship dies in the pilot, but, quote, continues to live in the ship's computer as a hologram who can be summoned for advice. <laughs> Which, of course, the EMH and Voyager also eventually became the... Uh, had the emergency command hologram stuff uh, at points, which I have no idea if people making that show knew about this idea or if it was just coincidence, but that sort of stuff is, uh, is really kooky. Uh, they note here that uh, there's echoes of discovery and JJ uh, Abrams in here. Uh, so, they note here, when you read the memo, you may be surprised by how many elements echo with Star Trek Discovery, including a captain, who is also a mentor to the show's lead character, who is also an orphan, who was also killed in the pilot during a battle between the Federation and the Klingons, mm -hmm. which sounds a lot like Giorgio and Burnham. Uh, there's also an alien from an obscure and isolated planet, which sounds a bit like Saru, and a brilliant young cadet who works under the wing of the show's main character, not unlike Tilly. Hmm. So that's pretty interesting, and they also note that uh, a ship entirely populated by cadets who end up being put into senior positions is very similar to the J.J. Abrams 2009 Star Trek movie. Uh, it's also the premise for Star Trek Online as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm pretty happy we got the next-gen show we got, <laughs> and not this show. I mean, who knows what would have happened if this was the Star Trek show that was made. Um, I'm, I'm actually relatively happy they didn't go this route, but it is fascinating that this sort of, uh, stuff came up. I, ben, I don't even know if you remember the conversation we had on a previous Star Trek, but wasn't there at some point unearthed, uh, like one of the original premises for like yeah. Wrath of Khan or The Voyage Home or one of those Star Trek movies yeah. and it was just crazy. Yeah. Like I, it was, I mean, the, the ideas were lunacy. It's, it's tricky. I think, I think it was Voyage Home. The, it's tricky when you, um, look back at these sort of things because some of the archive material that's unearthed it, it is, you know, it's clearly sort of people spitballing stuff and some of it is um, little more than sort of over-elevated fan fiction and proof of concept stuff and treatments that were just sort of sketchings and so on. But this one um, that's the subject of this memo um, seems to, I mean, it really is a sort of pretty thoroughly formed um you know, this really was more than a pitch for a show. This was really the whole treatment for the for the whole series, um, and it, I mean it's interesting because, as they note, you can see so many things. It's not just the ones that relate to Discovery or the JJ verse. There's so many little details in there that we've seen then appear in TNG, appear in Voyager. Uh, there's a couple of bits in there that um, obviously have appeared in um, uh, in uh, DS9 as well. And I, I like that because what it does show is this kind of, it shows that all of these shows, even Enterprise, uh, as odd as that was for the first, um, well, for the first half of its existence, are all literate in in that universe in a way that a lot of franchises aren't. When when people reboot things and, and redesign things, you sometimes lose the, the sort of semantics of of the universe that you're in. Um, mm -hmm. And I love the fact that, that Star Trek has... 
uh, has consistency but with massive variations so yeah. Yeah. um and this is this is what i think i know people say this is the weakness of discovery this is what i think is actually its absolute best strength mm-hmm. is the fact that it is firmly two square feet in the star trek universe it's just it's a bit of it we haven't really looked into yet um and all that memo shows me is that uh, whilst there was a lot of stuff clearly in there that Roddenberry didn't like and um, that the network didn't like things that he was suggesting the fact is it was they were arguing different sides of the same coin and, and what we're seeing with discovery is not a yes. kind of something that detracts or deviates in the way the jj verse does but something which um which adds to the to the depth of uh of the star trek universe i i love it i i, I got stuck reading that stuff for, for quite a long time flicking through it um, and then you kind of look at stuff and think, oh, did that happen? And you go off on a sort of side tangent and look up things that you're seeing and thinking, didn't that happen in this series? So um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you if you are a, um, a Star Trek nerd, and I'm guessing from the fact you've been listening to the show so long that you must be, <laughs> um, then it is a lot of fun to read through. Um, there's some highly entertaining stuff in there. Uh, yeah, Aurora, um, about, I mean, is this a... Is this like a Star Trek thing that you would have watched? Like, uh, thinking about what Next Gen is now, or you know, not now, obviously, what it was. It's just now it's the Orville. Yeah, <laughs> yeah now it's already existed, and now it's the Orville now. Um, but I mean, you know, kind of given like this loose premise of... Uh, it, actually, you know what? You don't even have to answer this question. The more I talk about it, because we had that that bit where we talked about how, oh, some of these characters are similar to discovery right but reading about the overall premise the show takes place in the middle of a klingon war which mm-hmm. this show also did yeah, yeah and with characters that are similar uh to the characters in this original pitch i would say definitively that yes we would watch yeah, this course. version of next gen because we just watched it yeah uh we just watched 15 episodes of what more or less this was yeah i mean and of course you know growing up with TNG um, Mm -hmm. it's hard to imagine the show being anything else than it was because that's you know TNG is still my favorite Star Trek show Um, so it's hard it's it's a biased answer anyway (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. we're kind of pre we're kind of predisposed to watching Star Trek or liking it so um, whatever they give us at this point well you guys it's probably time to say goodbye to star trek discovery for Does now anyone yet know has anyone heard anywhere when the um season one uh 4k blu-ray of discovery comes out i cannot I find heard... anything mm. anywhere about no. this the best I prediction heard any I've... talk well i've heard there's one prediction i've had which is that uh, effectively it'll launch um in sort of october november december uh, effectively ahead right. of christmas and so i mean that's logical but i really it would be such a shame if they wait that long i'm guessing it's probably to do with what deal they have with netflix as to um mm-hmm. how long it remains All the kind of distribution yeah. yeah but um that's oh, netflix, it's gonna be so good netflix traditionally i don't know how it is in the uk mm. but here they don't seem to release a lot like they've released stranger things on blu-ray uh and in brilliant packaging also i might add but uh, they, I get the feeling that they don't release a lot of their stuff on physical media. And well, I think I, I think don't the think that'll be the is, case for Star Trek, though. 
Well, first of all, I mean, it's not made for, for Netflix, is it? It's, um, right. I mean, it's no, they, boxes, have, but, they have the distribution rights. Well, they do, but they, they don't have the 4K distribution rights. Um, so mm -hmm. the the uh, the premiere uh, or premiere if you prefer was in 4K uh, HDR in the UK and thereafter um, it was all limited back to uh, 1080 still HDR but still in uh, but back in in 1080. So uh, if they don't have that license, um, I don't remember whether CBS uh, streamed in 4K or not. I don't think they did, uh, other than the the, the premiere. So. Um, it is a separate product, so the sort mm -hmm. of crossover, you know, the, the effect that it would have on Netflix is is minimal, unless, of course, they go the other way. Uh, Netflix, of course, if you have the um, Ultra membership on Netflix, of course, now does support 4K HDR. So yep. it could be that their deal with Netflix goes even deeper, and Netflix have spent a lot more money than um, people have realized and have a delayed release in 4K. Now that would yeah. be something that could drag some people who are dragging the heels uh, over to Netflix during, of course, yeah. um, the next few months. Um, it's predicted there's going to be a massive surge in the sale of 4K televisions. So, uh, if there is, people are looking for that content. People are hungry for that content. I can imagine that being part of the deal that Netflix are going to. I mean, if they do that, they'll be the only game in town because the streaming quality from Prime uh, with their uh, 4K stuff is just awful. Um, this, it's yeah. so so compressed it's so noisy, it's horrible uh, but Netflix, if they've done that deal with CBS that is an excellent deal for Netflix mm -hmm. and CBS, that's very clever if that's what they've done Well they better get on it quickly, one way or the other because I want this in, as part of my collection Yeah, yes, I was going to say you know, the, the amount of Star Trek fans that like to you know, collect these shows it, oh, they, boy, they must ever, yeah. release it Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, In a few weeks I'm I'm doing the final upgrades of my Enterprise and original series DVDs to Blu-rays. Oh, nice. uh, so I've got everything else in high in high def. Um, so I, yeah, they, the the quicker to do this, the better. Uh, I I don't know how long it's going. I mean, it it really just depends. I'm still waiting on my copy of The Abyss to arrive on Blu-ray. I'm pretty sure they're going to be making it someday, but they haven't done that yet. And if uh, at least in the United States. I don't think they've released any of the David Tennant seasons of Doctor Who on Blu-ray yet. Mm. The, 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 the Eccleston first season is available. The Tennant uh, specials are available. And then everything after that, obviously, is also available in, in high def. But his particular seasons, outside of that one box set, which I cannot get my hands on because it's out of print or whatever, uh, I just I don't want something... so. It's always weird when, when you're dealing with streaming uh, platforms because the idea is that they're kind of always there. They're already on your TV. Right. You don't need to have the, the discs or whatever. So they take them away from you. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's not true. <laughs> I need my discs. I need my Star Trek discs, yeah. everybody. I need them. Do you know, I've Star Trek probably is the one franchise where I, I wouldn't want to put myself in the hands of one of the streaming companies. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah. even cope with Who on that basis, but I, I I live in the UK where flick over various uh, cable oh, sure. satellite channels, and there's always one or other sure. season of that showing. But you guys are probably tripping over Doctor Who Blu-rays in the street. I'm sure pretty <laughs> much uh, corner of my <laughs> bed. Just leave them in bins everywhere. It's that in castles, <laughs> as Eddie Izzard noticed. <laughs> barely bloody move for them here. That's that's all there is yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, all right, so. Um, That'll be the uh, that'll be the show for 
for this week. We're not done talking Star Trek altogether. There will be uh, some more shows that will crop up, but that's it for Discovery yep. for now. So uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com, check out the archives of the show, and uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, anywhere good podcasts are delivered. Search for I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast, and hit subscribe. And uh, for Aurora Bubaloo, Ben Knight, I'm Anthony Lewis. We will be back sooner than later, I hope, talking some more Star Trek on I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast. Thank you.